Ready? Here we go. That's good. That's a first. That is fun, dude. <laughs> Get some Mongolian throat singing going. Oh, on I wish, <laughs> man. Dude, have you seen this guy? Have you seen this guy on YouTube? Uh, I already know who. I already know who. You already yeah. know, right? Is it yeah, Hun- uh, Hunsaker, I think, is his last name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ron- Ronan. Yeah. Ro- Rowan, maybe. Ronan or Rowan. Or Rowan. Yeah. I've I've actually been emailing with him for. Uh, probably over a year, just begging oh, okay. him to come on the show. <laughs> I, I was, I was just going to say you should definitely get him. On. He's so friendly. He's a really nice guy. He's just also busy, you know. So he is. Yeah, yeah. I, I first, I first got connected up with him on uh, online through, I think it was when we were doing Karchis online oh, yeah. or, or Piper's Gathering or, or one of those. But yeah, it's he, he does some really, really amazing uh, throat singing and. <laughs> His piping is great bites. and his mm-hmm. throat singing is amazing. But then he puts them both together and it just it's like mm-hmm. the the what comes out of it is even greater than the sum of the parts. It's just so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um does it, does he have the same set of pipes as you too? Does he also have a set of don't don't you both have a set of complex he pipes or maybe they're from does, different makers? Um yeah, he he does have uh Banton pipes. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he said he got he got a second hand set of of Nate Banton small pipes. Y'all living the dream, man. Yeah, <laughs> come on, join us <laughs> <laughs> someday, dude. Someday that that little that really low end that one. Uh, what did Tim come, Timothy Cummings called it the testosterone drone? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Right. <laughs> When, oh, that's so fun. May, may, tell me about when when did you get those? Because I know that I saw was it a picture of you at a at a um, <laughs> it was at a Ren fair maybe. Oh yeah. Was that when you were playing with the German band the, with the, Volgamut? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> which, which is the that's the same band that uh, that uh, Dave over at the Freestylers of, of Piping had played with them as well. Yes. But, but you guys didn't quite overlap, right? You didn't, no. you didn't meet each other or anything. No, we were different time periods. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I did play those with Volgamut. Um, for uh for our quiet sets um uh, yeah and actually the the first time the first time that i met and played with volgamut was at pensick uh which is a a huge event in western pa near pittsburgh mm. um it's part of the um oh boy what's it called society for creative anachronism the the SCA have you heard of that? I haven't heard of it, but the name's delightful. <laughs> it's they 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 do. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, I, I don't want to get my my terminologies wrong. If anybody listens and they're somebody who's involved in it, but they they do. It's kind of related to LARPing. Yeah, I, I'm googling them right now, so I'll back you up. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll help keep you safe. Yeah, Society All for right. Creative Acronism. Got it. Yeah. It's this huge thousands of, of people, and they they all go there for was it two weeks long I think, um, and so I was there for one week in the summer of twenty nineteen. My goodness, this looks amazing. Nothing it against is. nothing against the LARPing group that meets in my local park. Like my they yeah. are really cool. My kids and I go watch them do battles and stuff. It's a lot of fun, but. 
holy moly i even live near this thing evermore park and <laughs> the pictures i'm seeing of what the what sc what the sca does yeah. these costumes the armor this is the oh. the buildings even my goodness it it is it, it is a different world and it's you know pe- people that are really into this they 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 spend their whole year getting ready for this summer event um that uh well i I think it's oh my goodness i I don't know if they had it last summer it's definitely back this year i think it's their 50th pensick this summer yeah my good this is huge i'm amazed that i haven't heard of this there are kingdoms all over the place there are people getting married at these events yeah yeah wow (laughs) it's a huge thing um so when when michael uh auditioned me for Volgamut. Um, I, I met him at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, which is just a 45-minute drive from my house. Mm. And um, I, I played for him, and he, he invited me to be a part of it. And then my, my, first, uh, my first time actually playing with the group was going out to Pensick, and I brought my small pipes with me. Mm. And when I got there, he, he handed me a box that had been unopened and told me to open it. That that was my my doodle sack that I would be playing oh, yeah. in, in Volgamut. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was the fingering scheme for the, your doodle sack? Was it, were, you, were you prepared for that? I, I was not very well prepared for it. Yeah. Um, it was very different. Um, it wasn't like Highland pipes made to look medievalish. It was like no. a legit German instrument. It was, yeah, um, and it was. It was kind of Michael um, had these specifically, specially made for him, mm. and they were based. the The look of them was based on the. Uh, uh, oh no! What, what's his name? The 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 artist who who made the. Uh, German medieval uh, drawings of a uh, piper. Um, oh, I can't remember. I'm Googling. Don't worry, I'll back okay. you up. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go ahead and keep telling the story. I'll figure out who this is. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, the, the pipes were, were made in, in the style of that. The, they're, they're, in other words, they're not an exact reproduction of a set of German medieval pipes. Yeah, yeah. But the... Uh, the fingering system on them is the um, the same open finger system that that is used on uh, on recorders mm-hmm. and on the on the Rauschpfeife, the the, the loud uh, shawm type instrument that mm. uh, that Michael plays with the group, and and so being used to the you know the the regimented uh, closed system fingering for Highland pipes. Yeah. Uh, that it, it did actually kind of work mm-hmm. if, if I fell back into that, but the, the open system is what was used, you know, so going up to a, a E F G and a, those were all open. No, no fingers closing the, the bottom end of the, the chanter. Yeah. Gotcha. So that took some getting used to. Hmm. And also dropping, dropping most uh, 
Highland pipey embellishments, doublings. That's never easy, is it? I think it, no. I don't think I've. I still don't think I've. Like, like, how can you really truly ever break free of it's if it's if it's part of your like your core, how you learned and how you how you came into it? You know, it's uh, right. It, it's it's funny. I, I funny. Like, I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to say like there's any wrong way to play any instrument. Of course, you know, but it's it's fun to when you hear someone playing any other like a whistle or small pipes of any kind, etc. When you can identify, ah, there's a Highland piper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and it's me too. I'm in no way saying yeah. like, that's a bad thing necessarily, right? It's just uh, it, the right. that is a. It's almost like a. It's almost like having a regional accent that no matter what language yeah. you speak, it's still going to come through. Like if you were a southerner speaking Spanish or or Italian, you'd still have, you'd like speak Spanish in a in a southern United States accent. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking whistle, but with a Highland pipe accent yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Definitely adds uh, a, a unique style to the the playing i guess so did he just hand them to you and be like here you go let's do a set or did he give you like here you go take a week with them and get them figured out kind of thing (laughs) well it it was basically a trial by fire yeah (laughs) Uh, so i i got them and he had me run run through the tunes i had the music ahead of time so i'd been learning the the tunes already but then he had me um he had me play through the tunes with him and then also with uh with with the other piper at the time um and so we we would go off to an area away from people mm-hmm. <laughs> and play through the tunes uh, on our pipes together and mm-hmm. then and then throughout the day and especially in the evening we would just play play a few sets here and then a few sets there and i i would do my best <laughs> to to keep up with the the hmm. crazy uh, uh all, just having it all thrown at me at once uh it was very exciting <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun you say exciting now was it maybe kind of terrifying too at the time oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah it was terrifying I can you know, only I, imagine <laughs> i <laughs> i didn't want to mess up and yeah, I, of course. I certainly did mess up but uh and then you know, wearing this uh, very unique uh, outfit, you know, the yeah, whole yeah. Volgamut outfit. It was didn't quite fit me too well. It was a little tight in some areas, but it mm. was. <laughs> it's funny when clothing can make you feel naked in front of people. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's absolutely mm. right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so it. It was fun. I'm kind of, I'm kind, I've kind of just been. I've got to keep in mind that you and I have been chatting back and forth, you know, like on Facebook Messenger and stuff like that for a while, and I'm kind of picking up where we left off there. I should back up okay. a little bit and give you a chance to give us kind of a sketch. You know, tell me about yourself from from <laughs> babyhood. I know that you're the youngest yeah. of five. Right, right. So pick us up from there. <laughs> tell me about what your childhood was like. You know, were your siblings also into music? Were they not? Um, mm-hmm. At what point did the trombone come into your life? What t- Point, did the bagpipes come into your life? What other things? You know, like oh. tell, tell me about all of this. Wow. Oh, trombone. actually, also Roderick. I've been calling yes. you Rod, but that's a unique first name, Roderick. Um, yes. Where did that come from, too? <laughs> tell me all of this. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's good. I'm impressed. Sounds like you've been doing your research. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a family name. Uh, Roderick is a it's a Nevin family name. Um, 
my great uncle was Roderick. Mm. And um, it is, uh, l- looking it up, it is an Irish name or, or based on an Irish name. The uh, Irish Gaelic is Ruri. I'm sure I'm not mm. saying that exactly correctly, but it it's you know a variant of Rory. Um, and so all of our um, um, in in my family, in my my dad's side of the family, the the tradition was to have the uh, the the names, especially the male names, were based on uh, other family names. So mm. our uh, previous generations of Nevins. So uh, my dad was a, a Benjamin. He was the son of Benjamin, <laughs> who was the son of David. And so th- there was, uh, there's a lot of Benjamins and Davids and Johns. Mm. Um, my, my, and I, I kind of carried that tradition on a little bit with, uh, with our firstborn, my son, Ethan, uh, his name is Ethan Benjamin. My dad's name was Benjamin Ethan. So yeah, yeah. just <laughs> kind of flipping around a little bit. I, I um, knew a lady for a while whose family had been doing that flip thing for yeah. generations. Like she was oh, like wow. the seventh in a line of just this back and forth flopping of the, of the first and middle name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Um, and so, yeah, my first name being Roderick, I, um, I often people get my my first and last name flipped around so, oh yeah oh nevin nevin roderick no no that's um that's and funny. i didn't really experience that until i moved to uh southeastern pennsylvania berks mm. county the pennsylvania dutch region because oh. uh, apparently nevin is a common pennsylvania german first name uh, I see. Oddly so you, enough, you moved to like the only place in the world that your name yeah. would be that kind of confusing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up um, youngest of five kids. Uh, my my three older sisters, um, two of them had already. Uh, moved out or or gone to college by the time I was born, mm. um, and so I, I kind of grew up with my my youngest sister and my my brother, mm-hmm. who's five years older than me. So there was a, a little bit of a spread in ages between the the siblings. You you um, were that um that that uh the house is getting quiet and we want a baby kid, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, by by the time I got to be twelve years old, seventh grade, eighth grade ish, my brother had had moved out, gone to the army, and so then I was the only child at home, kind of. So, so that, I, that's interesting because I I feel like um, when I imagine the experience of any fifth child, it's one of like basically. Uh, benevolent neglect because the house is so yeah. <laughs> busy and the, you know all the older siblings are always pushing them around and stuff but you got to have the experience of kind of being an only child for a while there too it yeah it that's very true um and if you ask my my siblings they'll, they'll tell you that yeah i i got it very easy 
Oh, I can relate. I'm the oldest of seven, so I'm on the opposite oh, end of the same oh, thing. I see. And yes. so I see how my parents are with my youngest brother, and I'm like, this is a different yeah. world, man. Right. It's so unfair. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I grew up in, in northern Pennsylvania. So northern Pennsylvania is a, a mountainous area. They, they call it the endless mountains up there. My, um, my my whole reference, my whole frame of reference for Pennsylvania is where Scranton is. So <laughs> <laughs> working from right? there, I'm just thinking to the north, there are mountains. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So west of Scranton and a, a little bit further north. <laughs> um, in fact, there's a, there's a Pennsylvania Grand Canyon in Wellsboro, not far from Mansfield. No, really? And yeah, it's just a, a beautiful, you know, a a gorge it's not as big obviously as the grand canyon in in utah yeah uh, like hey but, hey that's our <laughs> thing <laughs> right 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 <laughs> so um uh so it is very very hilly and it's very rural but uh mansfield is also the home of mansfield university mm. and and so I, I had the benefit of growing up in a quiet area but with a, a college community mm. um in mansfield was and still is uh known for its music program mm. so i i had the benefit of lots of music being around me growing up and uh i've got to imagine there were a lot of great like like student like recital series and stuff like that yeah of pretty good quality and also like free or very cheap absolutely that exactly cool. yeah so my parents would would take us to to the campus for for these recitals and concerts mm. all the time so I, I got to i got to hear you know solos singing instrumentalists and and choirs and band and orchestra and musical productions um a lot and that was that was uh a, a very big part of my life growing up what was it in one of those settings that you first uh saw someone playing a trombone and and thought to yourself i want to do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> look it's a legit instrument i'm not trying to make fun or anything yeah. but you know it's <laughs> there are kind of a lot of jokes about trombones you know it's it's a little Absolutely. bit silly the yeah. you know so <laughs> i'm sure i yeah I, I i can't think of a moment where i where i saw a trombone there and, and thought well that's what i want to play sure but um but I was attracted to it in in elementary school when we, you know, in fifth grade when we had the opportunity to choose a band instrument. And when I heard and saw the trombone, I, I thought, wow, that's I, I love that slides mm -hmm. that that I love that sound. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, part of it being it it sounds funny. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's what drew me to it. And I've been I, I still play trombone in uh in our church orchestra so that's really cool it still baffles me you know like <laughs> like i i play I, the string instruments i play all have frets i cannot imagine playing something like the violin you know and then yeah. then the brass instruments that i've that i've tried all had buttons and valves i can't imagine yeah you know precision on a slide it just <laughs> yeah. it's beyond anything i've done myself and that's that's very impressive oh uh, well yeah i mean it's it it, it is 
I'm, I'm sure most instruments are, are horrible to listen to uh, as a beginner. <laughs> sure, <you> know, beginner yeah. <laughs> learning the instrument. You know, hear, hearing these, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. hearing these blats, <laughs> blats on the trombone. The word, yeah, <laughs> it's not great, but um, I, I think it does. You know, that type of instrument, uh, like a fretless string instrument, or like the trombone, where you have to, you have to not only know the general physical location of where your hand goes, but you have to have the the ear. To mm-hmm. listen to it, to to know that, yeah, that's the correct pitch. Yeah. So I, I think that does help build some uh, ear, you know, it, music ear, uh, brain <laughs> relationship. Do you do you feel like that's ever been helpful to you in a specific case that I'm thinking of, which is tuning your drones? Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like. I've been doing music most of my life, and I feel like mm-hmm. I have not perfect pitch, but like reasonably good like tonal memory. You know, like yeah. I'm usually listening mm-hmm. to music, and therefore I usually could like if you asked for a pitch, I could probably get pretty close to it. But man, most of the time when I'm trying to tune drones, be it small pipes or highland pipes, it's like I go music blind. Like after a few minutes of trying, uh-huh. I just start going like, "What? I don't know. Like what even? Like yeah, that's probably fine. Like what even is?" You know, I just like get uh, lost and I can't, I lose the ability to even distinguish like what is in and what is out and stuff. <laughs> I wonder if it's because I've relied on buttons and frets all my life. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, well, so that, that, that kind of, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, it, it's fun to be part of, I've been listening to your, your episodes, you know, before this kind of preparing for this interview and realizing that it's, it's really just talking about anything and, and following the rabbit trails and <laughs> any preparation just, is futile. <laughs> just follow the rabbit trails wherever they go. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that what you were just talking about with tuning the drones, that that is something about the bagpiping world that, I I had to get used to after after growing up with and studying music and being a music teacher. Mm. Um, I you know I've been a music teacher for uh, probably close to twenty years before I started bagpipes. Mm. So, so yeah, what was what? Tell me all. I want to know all about that. Like. What, because I came into bagpipes very young, and so I want to know what it what it's like for an outsider, you know, because I don't yeah. feel like I have a really clear idea of what that is like. So, um, it was very eye opening, and ear opening, and <laughs> kind of mind blowing for me. Um, so the 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 first thing was when I when I went to start learning the bagpipes, um, I I met. I met Sally, the pipe major of, of Hamilton Celtic Pipe Band, uh, where I'm, I'm the pipe major now. But uh, at the time, uh, I, I didn't know anything really about playing the bagpipes, except that I, I bought a, uh, a uh, <laughs> I'm using air quotes here, my first bagpipes kit, uh-huh, yeah. um, <laughs> which was just the, a Gibson practice chanter and the, the green... Uh, College yeah, of Piping, Tudor book. book. Yeah, right. 
And uh, and I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to get started, and uh, I, I want to learn how to play the bagpipes. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I already knew how to play recorder, and I thought, okay, left hand on top, right hand on the bottom, same number of holes, no problem. And and then I I discovered that oh these these fingers have to move in kind of different ways and. I'm not placing them on the holes the right way. Uh, yeah. And so when I when I first met Sally and she had me get up my chanter and, and try playing through a scale and that sort of thing, yeah, I was able to squeak out a scale and then she she quickly started telling me, "No, oh, your fingers need to be flat. Your fingers need to go this angle and then they need to lift and drop this way." And then and I realized, "Oh, this is <laughs> It's a whole this is definitely thing. something I, I need. I need professional help here. I yeah. can't learn this on my own. Um, and so then I, I started taking lessons from Sally, and it was I, I quickly learned that I had to put any any ego aside. Any mm-hmm. <laughs> I I could not have the mindset of I'm a professional musician and I've I've studied. I have a you know, I have a master's degree in music. I should be able to do this no problem. Right. But I I had to I had to put myself in the mind of a total newbie beginner and and start start like I knew nothing. Mm. And it, it was it was kind of a humbling experience, but once I was able to kind of <laughs> get over that in my mind, it was it was really uh, amazing. To, to kind of be on that side of the music learning process where for years I'd been used to being the teacher. Yeah, you know, sure. Teaching, teaching people to sing or play an instrument or something. And now I'm the student. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like that had um, an effect on, on how you taught from, you yes. know, kind of from there? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, that was definitely something that I, I learned from was uh how it can feel when you know nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, so uh, uh sally is, is no longer with us uh, oh, darn. so um and so i, I hesitate to say anything <laughs> anything anything critical of her but uh th- there was there were some things she taught me that i felt strongly um, in in my mind, quietly to myself, I thought, "Oh, I don't agree with that." Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and but I, I just kept, you know, I I would just kind of nod and, and accept something that she said and, and keep going. Yeah. Um, she she taught me incredibly well the the correct fingering technique, mm-hmm. um, and and how how to correctly place the fingers and get you know get rid of crossing noises that was something that was drilled and drilled and drilled mm-hmm. um doing the executing the the doublings and in burls and embellishments correctly that that was excellent uh instruction from her but then there were some things that i disagreed with and i i, I felt you know i just kind of filed that away in my mind mm-hmm. and but doing that made me realize, oh, when I'm teaching somebody, I, I might think I know the one way to do it, but they might find another way to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And so I, I 
from that, I, I kind of gained the appreciation for, uh, in, you know, divergent learning styles, um, that people learning things in different ways and that, that it's, yeah. it, it's okay. You, you don't have to have the one way. <laughs> that, I, I don't know to what degree this is a, a problem, problem, I don't know, a, a, a feature of sort of like other, um, mm, other like uh, sort of subgroups of musicians, you know, if the really mm-hmm. enthousi- enthusiastic hurdy gurdiers or the <laughs> yeah. or the really enthusiastic tromboners or, or you know yeah, any, right, any right. other group, if it's the same way. But it does feel like sometimes I wonder if we have a particularly and maybe because of the military history of of uh, yeah. Highland bagpipes, like mm-hmm. we've been kind of insular for a very long time and kind yeah. of like very much like a master to apprentice handing on of information kind of maybe even some gatekeeping with like you yeah. know and, and it just it makes me wonder to what degree like uh maybe for those of us who are bagpipers first you know if we're giving instruction we might be making a lot of assumptions about the rest mm. of the musical world mm-hmm. and we might say things about musical form about yeah i don't know chord progressions keys etc like any any number of things that yeah. maybe we're actually kind of ignorant about that, but because we're experts mm. on one very small slice of music, which is the slice of bagpipes, we feel like we're experts mm. on everything, you know? Right. Yeah. It's well, like I'm, there's there's, mm-hmm. there's there's a poem I like that says something. It says it's something like uh, "drink not from that." There's a cool word there. Parian Parian Spring. Uh, it, mm. it's, it's like a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. Is the yeah. idea, and it's like so either drink deeply. Or don't drink at all, because if you just drink a little, you'll think you're an expert, and you'll go out there and make all kinds of mistakes, right? Oh, yeah, right, yeah. And I'm I'm sure that's not unique to the the piping community, like you said, but um, it, it certainly it it can be it can be a thing that that happens mm-hmm. where, it, and so that was that was kind of another. Uh, mind-opening thing for me was after after studying uh, for about two years with with my teacher and learning things a certain way uh, it, it, even things like uh, which which waxed hemp to use for mm-hmm. uh, wrapping your your pipes joints you know that's that's something that can start uh, <laughs> flame wars online for on bagpipe sure, yeah. forums right absolutely <laughs> I remember I, I bought my brand new Wallace bagpipes and I, I got them. They were, they were delivered, took them out of the box and brought them to my lesson. And, and Sally told me, well, you need to take off all that yellow hemp. Get that and, yellow string off of there. Yeah, <laughs> get that yellow hemp off of there and rewrap it with black waxed hemp. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, oh, Okay, <laughs> it was so for the next week I was taking off all this yellow thread and then rewrapping it. My fingers were, you know, I was getting these lines and my fingers were getting red and yep. it was painful. Uh, <laughs> but I did it. Yeah. And um, uh, a couple years after I started lessons, I went, signed up for the North American Academy of Piping and Drumming mm-hmm. in uh, North Carolina. That's the Sandy Jones School, right? Yeah, where uh, and Sandy sadly passed away a couple of months ago, I think. Mm. Um, so, and I, I was lucky; uh, I, I got to meet Sandy 
when I went down there. Um, so it was a week long music camp for bagpipes and I, I loved it. I, I ate everything up. Um, and then that was my first time learning things about bagpipes that I didn't learn from my bagpipe teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, so that a, was very opening big. I got to imagine that that was a pretty big version of that experience. Cause I think most of us probably have something <laughs> like that experience, but it's probably more yeah. often our second teacher or yeah. the second book we read or joining right. a band. And so it's like a smaller scale. I've got to imagine going to that school would be like, uh, like that, but times a hundred, just like so much information coming to you from different perspectives and, and different specialties and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it was, yeah, it was all of that. And I, I met some great people, uh, some great instructors. And um, I remember one of the, the teachers, uh, his name was Bill Logan, and he's also no longer with us. But uh, it's not the same Bill Logan as the the name of the uh, the Bill Logan Piping Tutor, another series of mm. piping books. <laughs> it's a different Bill Logan. Um but his nickname was the finger Nazi, the finger Nazi. <laughs> because he was, he, he was very adamant about correct finger positioning and how to execute the doublings and everything. So when I went to his class, I, I was actually okay. Mm. Uh, it, but pe- there were people who were afraid of him because he was kind of old school, kind of like, no, you're doing it wrong. Why did you do it that way? Yeah. He, he had that kind of gruff exterior, but he was actually... Uh, if if you got over that, he was actually uh, a really nice, really sweet guy. Yeah, <laughs> and he I, just he just would hit your fingers with a ruler if you if you had a cross. Yeah, <laughs> it, the, the, he didn't physically do that, but there was kind of implied that that yeah. was uh, you could kind of see this invisible ruler in his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I loved it. I kind of I I kind of uh, uh, ate up that kind of a. Uh, teaching style yeah um you know if you can get over the the fear factor it's like oh okay yes i definitely want to do this correctly now um and he actually told me that my my fingers were were good so i was happy with that yeah yeah but my burl according to him my burl was wrong i was doing it wrong was this like (laughs) double tap versus slide over kind of thing uh yeah so i i I would learn the tap drag method the tap drag yeah. yeah and uh, he did not like the tap drag, and so. <laughs> and it, but it wasn't that he didn't like the tap drag. It was the tap drag is wrong. <laughs> it's exactly right, yeah. right. And so he he showed me the 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 slip and slide, the backward seven. Yeah, the, uh, yep. And he said it's a burl, so you go burl, burl. And he was saying that over and over again as he slipped his finger back and forth, uh, <laughs> and I just kind of said, oh. Okay, okay. And I, I tried it, didn't stick. I still do the tap drag. <laughs> uh. But so things like that, then I, I went home and told my teacher, yeah, I learned lots of new and different things like this. And she said, oh, really? Hmm. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, tell you what I think of that. These, <laughs> these old school, you know, my way is the only correct way. Yeah. And everybody else is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's how we then end up dividing ourselves into camps, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Silly. Right. <laughs> so what, like what 
pushed you to pick up bagpipes, you know, after having, like, were you bored of the instruments you had in front of you and just needed a new challenge, or (laughs) had you been thinking about it for a while? Right, right. Yeah, so I I woke up one morning and said, I don't have enough instruments in my life. I've got to imagine you had a pretty fair few, (laughs) especially as a music instructor. Not not too many. Um, So... It was it was kind of a, a culmination of, of things over a period of time. Um, what really got me started in pipes was I it, it, I had been interested in Celtic music and, and bagpipes. I, I just thought they sounded really cool for years, and it was kind of on my bucket list of oh someday I want to learn to play the bagpipes mm-hmm. someday, and then. At, I mentioned that to a friend of mine who was, uh, she was a guidance counselor at the elementary school where I was teaching music. And she told me, oh, you know, I heard a bagpipe band playing in the 4th of July parade in the next town over. Mm. And I said, really? There's a bagpipe band around here? And I looked them up online, and sure enough, they, they there's a, a pipe band that, rehearses just 20 minutes from my house and so dang yeah i got in touch with it than most that's great yeah i I was absolutely surprised i I had no idea there was a a pipe band around me and so i got in touch with the pipe major and and got started she enrolled me in the in the band right away (laughs) i feel like that this is this is worth noting that like for any of us who are are trying to like run a band and trying to grow the numbers and stuff like that we we should never assume that everybody in the community already knows that we're there yeah you know like it's not you can't be like well we did an advertising campaign last year so i guess we're done now you know now now we wait for people to come right right it's a constant thing yeah it's you would think an instrument as obvious and loud as the bagpipes. You'd think that people would know mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> that there are bagpipes around, but no. That pe- every time I I meet somebody in the area who uh, who I hadn't met before, and I tell them, "Oh, I play the bagpipes." And, oh, really? There's bagpipers around here, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> more than you think. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. I, there, there was one time in my life that we had three bagpipers living within like a four block radius of my house. Yeah. It's not, that's not the case anymore, but it still is, you know, it's still a thing that like, even during that time, you know, other people other than me didn't know that, you know, I knew that right. cause my bagpipe radar is up, of course, you know, but other, right. other than that, people didn't know that. So got to keep, yeah. got to keep spreading the word. Yeah, absolutely. And well, one thing our, our pipe band needs more of, and this is a common thing from what I've heard, is we need more drummers, actually. No kidding, man. <laughs> no kidding. Mars needs moms and pipe bands need drummers. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, we just have one, we have one snare drummer, one bass drummer, and one tenor drummer. At, at a recent board meeting, I only kind of jokingly suggested to the to the band's board that we ought to consider some kind of like um some kind of uh like stipend to offer to attract more drummers because yeah. we're like at that point you know like we really right. we really need more drummers <laughs> yeah like we're, yeah, we're we've struggle. got the drums you know it's like here they are please just come yeah. play them you know but we still need more drummers we can't get people to, enough people to come 
That's not to say, of course, the dramas we have are wonderful. We just need more of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. So so then did you go straight to Highland Pipes? Was that the, the first step for you? Yeah. How, yeah. So, how did how did Highland Pipes eventually lead to small pipes? And I guess then from there to, to Volgamut? Yeah. Um so yeah, High, Highland Pipes, you know. Take, take but, me through that timeline. Take your take your time with it too. Just sure. kinda, how did one lead to the next and stuff? <laughs> right. Um so practice channer, bagpipe lessons, uh, about a year, maybe mm-hmm. a little less than a year on practice chanter. Until you know, my my instructor made sure I, I learned everything absolutely correctly. Got all the doublings learned correctly. Could play Scotland the Brave on the practice channer, that sort of thing. Then I got my pipes, um, and then so about two years after getting my my Highland pipes, I I was looking looking for what what other things exist in the world of bagpiping. Uh, and I found, I found the, uh, North American Academy of Piping and Drumming. Um, and so I, I signed up for that and went and, uh, while I was there, I also brought, uh, I brought borrowed Sally's set of Walsh mouth blown small pipes. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, uh, because I saw that there was going to be some instruction offered at the at the piping camp mm-hmm. for small pipes. So I brought both my Highland pipes and my small pipes. Um, and first, I, I spent the weekend at Grandfather Mountain and uh, camped out there, which was, that was a whole a whole other experience. Hmm. Um, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, heard some amazing music at Grandfather Mountain. Uh, that's, that's another rabbit trail we can come back to. Um, and marked, right. (laughs) And, uh, so I had my small pipes with me, went to the, uh, the bagpipe camp and had some classes with, uh, a piper named Bob Mitchell and Bob's a, a fantastic, uh, Highland piper who also plays small pipes. And so he was teaching, um, he was teaching not only uh, some Highland pipe classes, but also small pipes. And so that was my first foray into the the world of small pipe tunes and how, how that whole world can have another approach different from the Highland piping approach. Mm-hmm. And so that was eye-opening for me, realizing that, oh, there's another world of piping <laughs> that's different from this Highland piping thing. Right. And I, I, you began I to just, discover the niches within the niche. Mm, yeah. And so at that point, I, I fell in love with small pipes and playing small pipe tunes so pretty early on then uh, is, like for a lot of us we go highland pipes for a few years before we start looking around for something yeah. else <laughs> you were you were like on like a like it's like you were already an addict and so you were just moving yeah. on quick like oh i was <laughs> yeah 
you woke up in the morning with your thousands of instruments around. You were like, I need bagpipes. And like the minute right. you got a hold of bagpipes, you're like, I need different bagpipes. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, about two or three sets of bagpipes later, yeah. my, my, my wife is asking, where, where are these bagpipes coming from? <laughs> Was, there was a there was a great Pat McManus joke about how a how a sportsman can get more guns into the house, and it was something like once you once you pass three or four, it ceases to be like a set number, and so it, once it becomes all those guns, then you can get as many in there as you want. Yeah, right. I've, I've, I've joked with my wife; she and I like reading Pat McManus, and we've joked about how it's the equivalent for me is bagpipes, and she's like, "You're not you're not to the point where I know all of your bagpipes still. You can't sneak them in yet, you know." Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so then after, after I got hooked on small pipes, um, and, and again, this, this was, this was, a, a divide, uh, you, this is a divergence from what I had been taught uh -huh. because my, my, my instructor, God rest her soul, uh, she, she had collected small pipes as well. Mm. Um, and I, I, I bought several <laughs> sets from her, um, but she used them to play Highland pipe tunes on, on small pipes. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And to, to practice on and to, to, to play on as she got older, because they would be easier to play than full Highland pipes. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, that's, that's fine. One that's way another, to use them for sure. Yeah. It's one way to use them. Um, and the, but when I realized that there's there's another tradition and there, there's there's other tunes and, and, and piping methods that that can be used with these smaller pipes, uh, I, I I I wanted to eat that up. I wanted to, mm -hmm. to dive in and and get get all of it. So um, I had. After that summer, I, I had asked Bob for recommendations uh, on where where should I look to get uh, some bellows uh, small pipes mm -hmm. because he was using a, a bellows blown set of uh, small pipes, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so he gave me some recommendations, um, and. Uh, one one of the recommendations he gave me was to check out Tim Cummings. That's to a get... solid recommendation right there. Yeah, right? And so I got in touch with Tim Cummings, who then recommended to me uh, the Nate Banton pipes. Wow. So did you? are you saying you went straight to Nate Banton pipes for your small pipes? Like... You I did. You didn't, like, take some stepping stones, like, from, from like, practice pipes to shuttle pipes to... Well, to, you know, to, to Henderson's to, you know, work your way up to the Bantons. Well, <laughs> I, I bought the, uh, the Walsh mouth yeah. small pipes. I bought those from Sally and those were my small pipes for, for my first year or so of small pipes. Um, that, that's what I was using you took first. A step. It's, yeah. it's, it's a thing that yeah. I've talked about with, with like students before, right? They're like kind of think of any pipes you buy, maybe especially in the, in the small pipes realm as like, this is like your down payment on the pipes you'll have eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause you buy them and then you <laughs> use them for a while and then you sell them and you get something a little bit better. Cause you have, you know, and they just kind of right. keep, keep building in that way. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, after the the Walsh small pipes, um, after Tim's recommendation, and I I, I looked around, I I went with a, a set built by Nate, and uh, I I play them every day. I I absolutely love them, um, and it was quite an investment uh, right away. Yeah. Uh, but well. It, it took a couple of years for them to be made, of course. So, you know, in yeah. the meantime, I'm I'm playing these mouth blown pipes, just dreaming of the day when <laughs> you'll get your your someday pipes. And then, then I I did have another intermediate step. I bought a secondhand set of uh, uh, I think they were Gibson uh, mm-hmm. uh, bellows blown small pipes. Yeah, and uh, they they were very clunky and uncomfortable. But it got me started on the bellows until I, I finally got my Banton pipes, yeah. uh, which are, are fantastic. You, you know, the, the other day, uh, my, my friend John Charles, he's the John Charles who, who pops up on small pipe forums and stuff sometimes. He does some Irish singing and stuff like that, too. Hmm. He, 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 uh, he was the guest host for a Way Too Twags episode. Just a oh, yeah. So, so he was just saying that he had a work friend who, said, who was like complaining about how he'd bought this nice guitar and uh, had to wait seven months. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> right, <laughs> seven months. <laughs> like meanwhile, like how about seven years, man? <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm glad I got them when I did because the the, the wait list, I'm, I'm sure, has has gotten longer. That is what happens, right? Anytime a pipe maker like <laughs> kind of hits their stride, suddenly the wait list just rockets to like longer than their lifespan, you know? And yeah. it's just like you, you get in if you can. Yeah. Well, I I, I got my pipes in 2018. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think it was a year and a, a little bit more, a few months more, uh, close to two years of a, a, a wait for those, but it was well worth the wait. Uh, my mine came with um, an A and a D chanter, mm-hmm. and I also uh, got a border chanter, which was made by uh, Will Woodson, mm-hmm. and it's it's got five drones, so it's got the the contrabass. Yeah, you know, what what did you say? Tim calls it the, the, the testosterone drone. Testosterone drone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's great. It's. I, I actually, uh, for most of the time, I have the the contrabass uh, out, and then I've I've put a, a cork in that hole so that it's a lot lighter because that contrabass is really heavy, real rumbly, yeah. And when I take take that out, then I can actually stand up ah, and, and play the yeah. set. But when you have that contrabass in, it's it's long and heavy. You have to sit down and have it uh, across the lap, like uh, like oh, Ilan yeah. drones. That okay. So like in that in that video I saw of you doing that LBPS composition uh, competition with your your original tune, um, I did notice. Well, first of all, I noticed that you you got the, the drone switch. That's got to be fun. But I also yeah. noticed that you had a shoulder <laughs> strap, and I wonder is that yeah. precisely because of how heavy the contrabass drone is, or would you have? Do you think you'd gone uh, shoulder strap anyway? No. Uh, so the shoulder strap thing is uh, a Tim Cummings insp- inspiration. I've seen him uh, using it too. That's yeah. that's the first time I ever I was seeing him play it that I thought I wonder mm-hmm. if that's nice. Like I still haven't tried one, but I think about it a lot. It's it's nice. It it gives you a little bit of extra support, and it um, 
so it has nothing to do with the drones, really. Mm -hmm. um, although, uh, side note, um, Elias Alexander, when he plays, he has uh, a border set made by Banton. And he sometimes stands and plays his set. Mm. And he, he has you know, the, the same style build uh, that I have. He actually has uh, a strap that connects from the, the common stock that's attached to the shoulder strap mm. to support the drones. I see. Uh, so oh, you can yeah, stand that makes sense. No, I think and it, play I, them. Your, yeah. your strap is on the, on the left shoulder, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Um, but it's really, it's there to su just give more support to the, the, the belt that holds the bellows. Yeah. Um, and so as a singer, I, you know, who sometimes sings and pipes at the same time, that allows you to, uh, have the, the chest strap looser. Oh, Sure. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as tight to support the bellows. Then you have the shoulder strap to hold things up better. Now that makes a lot of sense. I, so I, that, I like yeah. it. I like the idea of the utility of it, but I also just like the idea. I like I like the aesthetic by which I mean. I I already think it's fun and funny that when you're getting ready to play your small pipes, you're just just doing so much strapping in. You know, like strap in yeah. on this side, strap right, around right. on this side. <laughs> Add one more strap. Right. Why not? You know, it just makes right. the joke even better. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you get something something that wraps around your forehead. You know, <laughs> that right, just, right. Just get all connected <laughs> in. <laughs> right. Be like you're uh, you're suiting up in a in like a Gundam style robot suit or something to play music, right? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous. Um, I actually I used um, uh, it. It used to take a while to uh, put put all this strap on and everything, um, and it would get twisted around, especially with that addition of the shoulder strap. Mm. Um, it, it, it can turn into a, a, a Mobius strip kind of a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, twist it. Which way does it go? Oh, no, that's the wrong way. We yeah. twist it around again. Um, until I, I got smart and I I got a uh, uh, a button, not a button, uh, a rivet kit. Hmm. And I, I, I added these uh, snaps. Snaps oh, and rivets. Nice. Kind, of, kind of like the snaps on... Uh, you know, a, a jacket or something else right. that snaps. And so now the the shoulder strap stays stationary in the correct orientation. You know, so all I have to do is just kind of pull it up over my shoulder and there it is. And yeah. then just buckle the, the buckle and I'm all set. So it's a lot, lot quicker. Yeah. Huh. I've seen I've seen some some buzz on on Facebook groups and and uh, forums uh, you know small pipe wise lately uh, a few other people also talking about straps I wonder if uh, yeah I wonder if there's a groundswell in interest right now um, in general if it's just a coincidence <laughs> right <laughs> so so then like what what's what's the next set of pipes you're gonna get you know because like you Ooh. know I, i've got to imagine you're not done so is it is Ooh. it illin pipes is it a different kind of order pipes you know that's very dangerous um well i'm not sure um i did um i, I did get my my latest chanter um i got a c chanter made by uh Bob Felsberg, 
Uh, oh yeah. Or, or Rob, sorry, Robert, um, the Quiet Piper. Yeah. In uh, Pittsburgh. My my bag is one that he made. I wish that I oh. wish that more components that I have here in my office were made by him, but they aren't. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah. Um. So he he made me this this lovely um. It's applewood, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, sea chanter. It's very light. Um. But it uh it it it, it plays beautifully. It it fits perfectly in the 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 split stock for the the Banton set that I have. So I can just, you know, plug and play, swap chanters very yeah. easily. Um, are your are your Banton drones such that you can tune? I'm just thinking, like, where would you, what would you be droning at? I guess you could, can you hit some Gs with the, yeah. just from where you are there? And, yeah. Mm. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, yeah. Um, Nate, Nate has, uh, his, his drones are, are made so that the the ends can be swapped around a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah. So gotcha. when I'm playing on the C Chanter, I, I can swap. Uh, I forget which one, but uh, the like the baritone with the alto or right. the soprano, whatever. You know, the 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 names of the drones are kind of meaningless once you get five drones <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like... i was just talking about that the other day with 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 jeremy and and, and john charles too that like wait is this bass tenor right. alto soprano wait is this bass baritone tenor alto? Right. like what what do we right, call right, these right right so it's like I, I i i get confused sometimes when i'm i'm in a small pipe session and somebody says oh well Use your baritone drone. Oh, oh which one? Yeah, uh, which baritone <laughs> drone? Yeah. Uh, so, but no, I, I can swap some of the tops. Yeah, gotcha. And by doing that, I I can have, I, I get a C drone. I can get a G drone. Mm. I can take the, I can take the the top section. And it, it's a little fussy. I don't like to do it, but I can take the top section off of the contrabass, mm. and then that turns into a C if I'm lucky. If you're lucky. If, if, yeah. <laughs> if the, the backpiping gods are smiling on you that if, day. <laughs> if I adjust it just right. But uh, I, I know... I, th- oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh, I was, I was just going to say another another Elias Alexander thing. I know he's got... He had uh, Nate put an extra hole in his contrabass ah. so that he can just, you know, remove the, the plug from the extra hole and yeah. get... And get the C or whatever note he that, has it to. I, I've been dreaming. I'm hoping that uh, the that Dave out in Colorado, who does the 3D printed bagpipes, I've I've, I've been hoping yeah. to be able to convince him at some point to do some tests, some trials for putting holes in the sides of Highland Pipe drones. <laughs> oh, just, just to see what would happen. Oh, man. wow! Okay. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. <laughs> basically like I'm I'm imagining like set up basically just three bass drones so that you have like maximum, you know, like length right. to play with and just <laughs> just riddle the sides with holes and see what you can do. You okay. Know? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, you could get a, a full a full, full triad, triad playing, right? yeah, full chord. <laughs> totally. That's the dream. We'll be there someday. Be, oh man. I, I can only imagine that would be a headache to tune, wouldn't it? Oh, as if I'm not having a hard enough time already, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do I do I not even have to ask if part of your inspiration for getting a sea chanter was Bridget Campbell's music? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's that's definitely an influence. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, as, I love as we're recording, that, of course, yeah. this this will come out later. But as we're recording, her new album just came out yesterday, so that's especially on my oh. mind right now. That carry 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 them with us album. Yeah, I've got to get it. I, did it's, you hear it yet? It's so good. It's really great. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Like speaking of like like having your mind opened to new possibilities, you know, like your experience with going to this school and like going from Highland Pipes to Small Pipes and stuff like that, like this. To, to mm. me, at least. And maybe this is just me, you know, evidence of my own ignorance, but I don't think I'm the only one who, listening to this album, I just start going, like, I didn't even realize what all could be done, you know, with, with this instrument and with this, yeah. uh, this musical uh, form or tradition. You right. Know, you want to call it that, yeah. Well, also, uh, you know, shout out again to Tim Cummings, you know. Oh, for the, sure, uh, yeah. The Birds, Birds Flight Yeah, love that album, album man. uses uh, C yeah. Chanter as well. Yeah, I think it, it does for sure. Yeah, and okay. it, yeah. It, not all the tracks, but but yeah, some no. of the music he chanted. Right. Yeah, and, and he, I am a devoted, I'll, I'll perhaps overly zealous even disciple <laughs> of, of Timothy Cummings and his music, because oh. part of it is is that magic. I mean, you're in that you're in that part of the country, so you probably feel it even more yes, than I do. I, that, that connection. I, I am I am also in the in the Church of Cummings. Yes, <laughs> in the Church of Cummings. That's right. We're gonna make him really uncomfortable. Right. right. <laughs> I think his parents. I think he mentions in one of his books that his parents were both ordained Episcopalians. And yeah, so, like right. I think setting up a religion based on Timothy Cummings. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> uh, the no, acolytes no. of Tim. Here we are. But <laughs> <laughs> a, a Tim follower. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but but there's um, that, that that bringing the 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 you might say traditions together. I guess. But I'm just thinking like for mm-hmm. me, what in my brain was the instrument was so tied to the other side of the Atlantic. There's something mm-hmm. that feels like almost, um, like almost emotional about having. I, I, I hesitate to say my music. I mean, I grew up in the American so- Southwest. You know, it's not exactly. It's not Appalachia out here. You know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something there about like this this instrument I already loved, and then this music that feels like my native language in a way. And bringing the two of them together, mm-hmm. just uh, yeah. I really appreciate the stuff that he's done with that because it's it's been wonderful for me. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but g- getting back to that sea chanter idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another reason I got it is because I I want to do more pipe singing. Oh, and, dude, and yeah. So, I'm, I'm so yeah. with you there. Are you also, like, having a terrible time trying to sing as low as the A chanter or as high as the D chanter and you need something Well, the there you go. That's, that's exactly it. I, you know, I got the D chanter thinking... Oh, I can sing with this, yeah. and then it's okay. Yeah. But then, like like you said, when when you're doing the songs, it's either in the octave that's a little bit too low or too high. Yeah. Um, although you know, today my my voice, I, today, I can sing that that dude, low A. Yeah. Get no get, problem. Get, get this guy like a low G chanter, man. Right. I've seen, I've seen. There's some maker that makes a low D chanter. Even like you could, you could just about oh. sing right on, bang on with that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Be doing all right. So, but the yeah the the C octave range, you know, most most human voices are very comfortable in that C octave. So. Oh. It's the C chanter is is perfect for it. Um, I, I, you're a vocal teacher, so you'd know mm-hmm. you you would know better than I would. I I, would, I didn't realize that that was a relatively common thing. I kind of thought like, man, I must just have a really restricted vocal oh, range, no. you know? 
No. Um, Makes me feel a little better. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not course. the only one. All right. No. Well, I mean, the, you know, C major, you know, being the, the natural kind of prevalent scale, you know, uh, on the keyboard, I know you, you play keys a little bit too, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, that, that being the all natural scale, it, it's, it's very, it's a very dominant uh, scale in, in music, in Western music. I'd never really thought uh, much about why, but I guess that makes sense. If that's kind of like where we were comfortable singing, then it makes yeah. sense that that's where instruments would start to be oriented as well. And it, it is, yeah. Um, so that you know that that range, um, mm, yeah, middle C. Yeah. Ah, ah, that that range is for for most people. That's a doable range of, of notes yeah uh, most people can sing between those those uh, C's mm-hmm. and so and and also when when I was teaching uh, early early childhood music or you know early elementary music you know that's the you know that that's the key that that most of the tunes are done in or around there that, uh, hmm. Yeah, so, I've never really paused to think about that either. But it's like, yeah, that would be the default setting for like "Baba Black Sheep" and and the mm-hmm. ABCs and 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 all of the nursery rhyme songs, right? Um, Absolutely, hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a very human uh, kind of a range of of notes to sing. Um, maybe maybe I'm getting too hippy dippy and ethereal with this, Rod. But I'm curious, like it. it I've heard people talk before about how like certain there are certain string instruments and some reed instruments as well that maybe resonate especially well with hu- with with humans maybe mm. partly because they sound so similar to a human voice in tonal quality. Okay. Um, and I wonder hmm is there some sort of if that's a thing <laughs> then is there also a thing about range maybe is there something that just like is yeah. so extra resonant because it's like in a familiar close like we just feel it uh, just that little bit more or something like that right right yeah so, so like, is that why c small pipes are like so exhilarating to so many of us that it's like mm, mm, that feels so good what a nice ah uh, yeah I, I i like that idea mm. I, I think so because uh, it's like, like on the one hand, I think like, well, we've got the thing with the Highland pipes where to get it brighter and brighter, we push the pitch up and up and up. So like, is it just novelty? Is it just a pitch that we haven't heard before? And so it's exciting to us. But hmm. the other day, I, my wife was listening to, um, speaking of Bridget Campbell, her uh, um, Weasel and Badger tune from the album that she <laughs> yes. did with, uh, with Ross Ainsley. And yeah. she was like, and she hears a lot of bagpipes and, you know, it's like. And no offense taken, right? But she was like, this is beautiful. You know, like, like the right. things that I do aren't beautiful, right? You know, she's yeah, like, right. this is so lovely. And she, what, but the adjective she was using, she was describing the tone, you know, like the, 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 is that the right word for it? The, the tone? I think that's right. Anyway, it, sure. it was something yeah. about that where it was humming. You know, that's what she was talking about. And I'm, I'm just thinking mm-hmm. to myself like, oh, she's a non-piper. And still to her, it resonated especially, you know? So maybe there is something about the key. I, I think that's, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if if it's something that you can reproduce in your body and and hum that that pitch range yeah. whatever it's that 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 does allow you to connect with it on a different level mm, mm. yeah so i i mean that's you know being being a bass myself that that's something that i was drawn to about the bagpipes was those low drones you know that mm, yeah mm, you know, that constant low hum uh 
And so, yeah, I think the C chanter being in a, a singable range is something that allows people to be drawn to it. Uh, this is kind of... Yeah, it's kind of blown my mind a little bit here, Rod. Maybe I'm maybe I'm grasping at straws and making connections that need not be made here, right? But <laughs> but it is like occurring to me suddenly that like stereotypically now I know I know women who play trombone really really well, and I know mm-hmm. men who are amazing flautists, right? Mm-hmm. But it feels like if we were to weigh like the 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 typical the the most which 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 do you see most often playing these instruments you know mm-hmm. and it, and it feels like i'm just curious like does that mean that like you as a as a lower singer is it more likely just like in aggregate big data kind of question you know that you would mm-hmm. play the trombone but a person who sings tenor would probably play trumpet and a person who mm-hmm. sings alto or soprano would probably play flute of course that that's not <laughs> that's not like a you know nobody who sings high can play right like like they, there are so many exceptions right. that this probably isn't a rule, right? But it's just occurring to me suddenly, like, is there a thing there? Is there something about, mm. is there something about where a person that, sings that could affect what they're drawn to? That sounds like a doctorate thesis there. That's, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a kind of thing that I, you, you wonder if, I'm sure somebody has, has researched this, right? I, yeah, there's got to be out there has. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm sure in a way that we're drawn to the instruments that we can, you know, feel like we, we've got that relationship with because our, our voices can reproduce the, the same sound. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, like maybe it's like, you know, I just, I'm just thinking like Victor Wooten's got a pretty low voice and he plays bass and then like yeah. Kenny G's got <laughs> kind of a higher voice and he plays trumpet, <laughs> you, you know, in saxophone, right? So it's like, right. I don't know, maybe, hmm. maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe that's just silly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, that's a good idea. Um, so yeah, the, the, the C chanter is a lot easier to sing with. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can sing with my A chanter and my my small pipes, and uh, I, I do that with uh, Fire in the Glen. I, I sing uh, Hami Ski. Um, sometimes it's it's too low for me though, and that's mm. you know that's a low A. Ha Hami Ski. Today that's no problem. Yeah, but. The, the problem is not, not just singing that, but singing it with your chanter mm-hmm. and, and the drones, and then projecting, make, making your voice carry over mm. and not allowing the, the chanter to be louder than your voice. Sometimes that can put a little bit of a strain on the voice because you're feeling like you need to sing louder to... to uh, to be with the chanter. Yeah, yeah. And so the A chanter is pretty loud. Yeah. Uh, the C chanter, it's not only higher pitch, but it's also a little bit lighter in mm. decibels. So it's easier to to carry your voice with it. Really good for singing, I know. Yeah. Well, I was already convinced, but only ever more so. i got to get me a C chanter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, so here's here's the other thing with the C chanter. You ready? Yeah. With with if if you love to sing and you you love to play pipes, if you get a C chanter, then you can sing C shanties on the C chanter. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's too good, man. I love that. That's that's tickling just the right spot in my brain right there. <laughs> on the C chanter. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Yeah, so. Well, now I just need to go do it on the coast so I can see I'm doing it on the seashore and I'll be set. Oh, there you go. <laughs> So, so yeah. then, so, so then, Rod, I'm, I'm, I want to know a little bit more about your, uh, your teaching. What, what all have you done in that way, formally and otherwise? Because I'm, you know, I, I, I was under the impression you were maybe a like a high school band instructor. Ooh, is that not right? N- n- well, no, they're they're another they're another breed too. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> um, I did I did teach high school band for one year. Mm. Um, so in a way you're right. Uh, so I, (laughs) for, for my teaching career, I've taught mostly elementary school music. Uh, so that's, you know, kindergarten through sixth grade, general music classes and elementary school choir, Mm. kind of fourth grade through sixth grade. Um, and for many, many years, I, I had a recorder group. So not not only just uh, recorder. It's in third grade. It's very common for third grade music classes to learn recorders. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if that's a pretty much countrywide thing or not. But, but it's uh, pretty typical out here. We've we've done like when I was a kid, it was actually like this. Uh, what was it called? It was like a, kind of like an ocarina. Um, oh. Well, We've kind of gone see. back and forth, though, out here. Like yeah. I've, I've seen, at least in my personal experience, I've seen elementary schools doing ukulele as well. But I think recorder is pretty ubiquitous. I think it's pretty common out here too. Yeah. Um, so then I also had uh, recorder. I called it recorder consort, and it was kids kids who enjoyed playing recorder that they could keep doing it in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. Oh, yeah. And and so I had this group of uh, soprano recorders with the small ones, the Sopraninos and alto recorders. And uh, I played a a tenor recorder to get that, that lower Mm -hmm. part. And we would play some arrangements of uh, some more challenging music. We would do that. I don't want to make waves in the, with the recorder uh, listeners, uh, (laughs) you know, but like, I feel like that's one of the interesting things about recorder. And maybe it's because of my experience with it being mostly, mostly I've heard it from elementary schools. When it's a room full of just recorders, like your standard pitch, like, mm-hmm. eh, I could take it or leave it. It doesn't really get me that excited. But when I hear, like, some legit recorder music, with, with, especially with the lower recorders mixed in, suddenly it's, like, one of the best sounds I've ever heard. You know, it goes from, like, yeah. something that doesn't excite me to something that really excites me a lot, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some amazing videos on, on YouTube, you know, with the contrabass recorders. Yeah. That's fun. Um. So that's what I did for most of my teaching career. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my last year of teaching, I also taught uh, middle school choir and high school band mm-hmm. while I was still teaching elementary music and elementary choir. And uh, that that was the year that, that broke me oh, <laughs> of, that's what did of teaching public school music. <laughs> Those band I, kids can be mean, man. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> Uh, it was it was fun. I I enjoyed I enjoyed teaching the, the band actually. That yeah. was that was fun too. But uh, it wasn't the music. It was the it was everything that wasn't music. That mm. was I, I was basically just stressed out and I I couldn't I couldn't keep doing it. 
It sounds uh, it sounds like like the like the person who goes to med school because they want to help people, but then all the yeah. paperwork just defeats them. Like yeah. <laughs> you go into music education because you want to teach kids how to play music, yeah. but then you have like yeah. all the bureaucracy and stuff to deal with. Oh, and it's just no good. Yes, yeah. that's that's it. It's it's painful. It, it, uh, my 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 friends who are who are still teaching, I I really feel for them because they they have to. It, it they they just tell me it kind of gets worse and worse every year the mm. the amount of paperwork and things that you have to do to prove that you're actually a good teacher mm-hmm. it's that 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 is so demoralizing to have to fill out these forms and and write out these things to to say what you're doing to actually be a good teacher it's it's like jumping through hoops to yeah. to to prove yourself it's but yeah. it's 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 got to be especially difficult when it's like not not only it's like this is your livelihood you know like this is a survival question so like you've got your passion yeah. where yeah. you want to go and teach those kids but then you've also got your livelihood uh and it, yeah. It, it's yeah. like well when it comes down to the when it comes down to it if you have to spend more time and energy on proving that you're a good teacher to the administrators mm-hmm. than teaching the kids that's what you have to do to survive and that's yeah. got to be rough <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was a very, it, it was a very hard decision for me. You know, it was one of those life moments, you yeah. know, one of those big kind of defining moments in a person's life where I decided I, I, I want, I want to be a music teacher, but I, I cannot put my, <laughs> my nervous system through this, mm-hmm. this experience for, to last till my retirement, I, I'm going to be a burned out teacher and I've, I've Mm -hmm. seen burned out teachers and I don't want to be that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it it was also a tough time personally for me because that was the year that I I quit teaching. It was just a few months after my dad died. Oh man. And so, yeah, that, that was, you know, there's that grieving process there. Um, so you know, it was a, that was a, a painful time too, of course. Uh, but that was, you know, one of those moments in your life where you're you're looking inward a lot and kind of being very introspective and what what is my life? What am I doing yeah. with my life? And I you know, talked about it with with my wife a lot and just decided, okay, I'm going to get out of teaching in public schools and. I'm going to be a music teacher from home. Mm. I'll, I'll teach private lessons and I'll, I'll continue to do the pipe band thing and I'll continue to do the singing thing. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still busy. I just have a little bit more free time. I can walk my dog in the mornings now. So mm. that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there, have you got like a central hub um, you know, like a website, like, you know, like Rod Nevin's instruction website or something like that, or is pretty it pretty close? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> no, my, I have a, I have a website. It's rodericknevin.com. And, uh, if you can I, hear I, my keyboard in the background, yeah, I am pulling it up tappity, right now. Tap, 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 <laughs> yep. tap, tap, right. <laughs> um, so I, I do, I do give lessons online. Most of my students are, uh, live in person. Um, most of my students are actually pipe students. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I have more pipers than singers, but I do I do vocal lessons and bagpipe lessons. Yeah. 
Um, have you considered putting the two together? Because I know that there are pe- like, I'm not saying that I'm hmm. proficient at sync at pipe and song, but um, yeah. Judy, um, I always get mixed up if it's Baker or Barker because I think that I think it was actually Amazon that like published her album with the wrong spelling of her mm. last name, and so now oh, I'm, no. I'm always stressed about which one am I am yeah. I saying it right or wrong now? I'm all stuck in my head about it. But she did a, an album a while like years ago. Um, actually, I think it was in association with the LBPS maybe, um, called the Chanters Weave. And hmm. where she does this pipe and song, oh man, she's so good. She's so good. She sings in pipes. Um, she's amazing. And so after oh, hearing that, that's when I was like, I really want to do this. Now I'm not proficient at it, but I would like to be proficient at it. You know? Yeah. And like Tim, speaking of Tim Cummings, he put out that "How Can yeah. I Keep from Singing" collection. Yeah, it has love it. it has some instruction at the beginning, and that yeah. that was the beginning of how I finally could kind of like start to crack into like, okay, here's how I do this. Mm-hmm. You know, again, not saying I'm good at it, just that that was how I got started. <laughs> it just, it, I know I'm not the only one, and so I've I've wished for my own sake before that there were somebody who could tell me, you know, give me some shortcuts, you know, because hmm. you know, kind of feeling around in the dark by myself, of course, isn't super efficient, you know, and so. Um, if there were like a well-developed program that was like, here's how you take your piping and your singing and put them together, uh, be interested. I'm just saying, Rod, I'm not not, not telling you what to do, but no, no, you're, you're inspiring some brainstorms here. That's a good, good idea. Uh, yeah, I, I would definitely love to teach anyone who, who was interested, um, some, some pipe singing things. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I should come up with, uh, uh, some, some, uh, curriculum ideas or some some process uh steps to yeah. how to approach that yeah it's it just i feel like that i don't think again i'm not trying to say there's a wrong way to do it right but i think like a lot of us who are interested we, what we end up doing is we'll sing over our drones yeah and then play a chanter and of course that's that's great that's fun you know and but like like judy she plays she harmonizes with her chanter where like sometimes mm-hmm. the chanter's the lead and her voice is harmonizing Sometimes mm-hmm. her voice is the lead and the chanter's harmonizing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very apt title for that album, that it's a weaving of the two things. Oh, it's it's okay. just so well done. It's like, I'm not saying that I think I could be at her level, but just for the joy of making music with your bagpipes in that way. You know, you know, like, with your bagpipes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, uh, it's just... I, I know I'm not the only person in the world who dreams of doing it, if only for, you know, for, for personal enjoyment. And so I, I, bet, I bet there's, you know niche within mm-hmm. a niche within a niche here right but I bet, right. I bet there are people out there who are interested yeah it's a uh well i mean it's a challenging thing for for lots of reasons yeah right because it's first of all it's it's singing by itself and it's it's piping by itself they they each have their own challenges and then you're combining them and e- either you know well so like step one i think it w- what you mentioned already is singing with the drones. Mm-hmm. That, that that's probably basic step one. Then the next thing is singing the same melody as what the chanter is playing. Yeah, and if you can get used to that, that's that's the next thing. Um, it, it it can be mind-numbingly uh, difficult to do that. Yeah, to 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 match your voice to what your fingers are doing or to match your fingers to what your voice is doing that that is a difficult thing to get used to yeah. uh but it's also here's where the ear learning to play by ear is a very important thing because if, if you can hear it 
then you can reproduce it with your voice. And you can, if you can hear it and learn a tune by ear on the pipes, then your 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 brain is already configured for mm. how how your voice and your your fingers can match that pitch. Mm. Mm. Um, if if you're somebody who's learned like many of us, if you've learned music uh, in the traditional Western music education way, uh, learning to read the notes on the staff. And then push the button that corresponds to that note. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. If you've learned piano that way, if you've learned a band instrument that way, and then gone to pipes um, and and learn your music mostly from notation, that's a, a bit of a stumbling block. So there, there might be steps to be taken that we, yeah. we might have to kind of rewind a little bit in order to get yeah. to a point where we could do something like what Judy does. Yeah. yeah. Um, because then af- after that, that step, I'm kind of walking myself through the, the process right now. We're right in the curriculum <laughs> right Here now, we are. <laughs> live. <laughs> uh, uh, so then the next step would be harmonization. And you, you know, harmonizing the voice to the chanter, or harmonizing the chanter with the voice. Yeah, you know, two very different things. Your ear has to has to hear both and figure out where they're going. Right. There's. So, it's interesting to me. Like you might be the perfect person for this in a couple of ways, Rod, because it, it just occurs to me, like you were saying, like there's no, there's there's surely not just one way to do something. Right. But maybe this is something that like either hasn't been done enough for us to find a ton of different ways to do it, or maybe I'm just ignorant of, maybe there are tons of people doing this and I just only know of a few, right? But that's often the case, actually. I think that something's new and really, it's been around for centuries, but I just didn't know about it, you know? But, um, But it occurs to me that like Judy mentioned that like, well, one thing that occurs to me is that she had a strong choral background. That's where yeah. she started her music was in choirs oh, and very young. Right. So she did a lot of listening, you know, to join in and sing on pitch with mm-hmm. other people. But it also yeah. occurs to me, it, I thought it was interesting that she plays with her drones up on her shoulder because mm-hmm. she said she wants to have a drone right in her ear the whole time. Oh, She says okay. that, that helps her, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. hmm, like for me, I feel like uh, that's, it gets me lost. I don't have that skill set where like I, I play my drones mm-hmm. way down on my elbow Mm-hmm. You know, and especially if I was trying to sing, I feel like pulling them up into my ear, suddenly all I can sing is that drone tone. You know, like I maybe oh. I maybe follow too easily, you know? Yeah, right. Huh. So you yeah, got you got your, your choral experience as well as your bagpipe experience. And maybe yeah. there's maybe there's something there, you know, maybe there's something in that choir that choir repertoire or background that, that I think applies. so. Because you know, hearing those harmony harmonies and, and figuring out how your voice fits in those harmonies that's that's very useful for uh as, as far as integrating your your pipes with your singing and vice versa mm. and see i don't have a strong choral background at all okay um mm. i joined choir my senior year in high school because i knew the teacher from a music theory class and she didn't have enough boys in the choir okay. and, asked me to. <laughs> and so i didn't have right. much experience with it and now like my wife is a really strong singer and i'll try singing with her but and she'll break away to do a harmony and uh-huh. without meaning to, I just follow her, you know, like I yeah. just, my voice just follows right. whatever it hears. So I don't have that skill set of like hearing a thing and holding my voice somewhere else. It's very, my voice is slippery. Uh, okay. It goes wherever, right. <laughs> wherever it's <Right>. being led. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Huh. This is this is now also like one one part writing a curriculum and one part um like personal counseling session for right, me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm I'm no I'm I, I'm positive I, I I know for sure that you are definitely not alone there. That's that's a very common thing for uh for, for people who are singing and, and, and trying out different things with their voice where it, your your voice wants to follow mm-hmm. something. Right. And so um, that that's just something that has to uh, the, the independence has to be built up for the, the voice to be able to. Well, not really the voice, but really that's the ear. Mm, yeah, yeah. Being being willing to go away from what you're hearing and and uh, go on a different line. Mm. Well, I, I want to give you, I want to talk more about you and less about me. Sorry, I keep pulling. This is, this is a, I've, re, I've recognized over my whole life that I maybe have like an overly strong ego and I tend to make everything about me. So, so let's try to, let's try to push this away just a little bit here. Um, I, it occurs to me, I did, I, I could ask you about Fire in the Glen. I did notice uh-huh. uh, among, uh, aside from having great music, I noticed that a person could purchase a Fire in the Glen thong for only $10. I don't know. If you, <laughs> what? Did, did you know about this? Uh, Where are you That's a real this? thing. It's a real thing. Uh, there's a merch shop out there. I think what it's in like, the world? <laughs> I, I wondered if you even knew. <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm going to have to talk to Tom about that. I, I, I suspect it was probably a joke product, but it yeah. exists. It's out there. It's out there. Okay. And wow. actually, as a member of the band, I feel like you should maybe already have one, like standard issue. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, but you can tell me about Fire in the Glen. But also, like I like anything else, you know, like that you were thinking about. Like we don't have to be too smooth about it. If there's a topic or something, like let's just hit it. Let's just go right to it. <laughs> oh, so we're, are, are we starting the interview now? Is this where? Yeah, now we're. Yeah, now, let's let, let me hit record right now. Here we go. Oh, okay, now we're warmed now you're up. <laughs> All right, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, Fire in the Glen. Um, so, I I joined Fire in the Glen. Uh, th- this was kind of my my post leaving uh, public school music career. Oh yeah, kind of finding something um, to fill the gap there and stuff, huh? Yeah, and so I, I was looking for a group to be part of because I, I wanted to perform more. Mm-hmm. So uh, Fire in the Glen is, is a group I'd, I'd heard before in a previous uh, local, uh, very small Scottish Highland Games uh, day. It was kind of in Lancaster County, not far from me, in the, in the Amish country. Mm. And uh, so I'd heard them a few years before. Um I just happened to see that they posted on Facebook that they were looking for another member. Mm. That they had a, an opening. Um, now, Fire in the Glen has had several uh, iterations as far as the the personnel goes. Oh yeah, I noticed that looking looking them up on YouTube because <laughs> I listened to the recent album and then I wanted to find some more and looking on YouTube I was like, wait a minute, yeah. that's not Rod. Wait right. a minute. You know? <laughs> yeah. So Tom the Fiddler is uh he he co founded, started the band uh with with a, a friend of his back in I don't know, ninety eight or something. I th- I think it's on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh fireintheglen.com. Um and 
so over the years, it's it's you know, people have have shifted left, come back left, new people. Uh, it, it's it's always been Tom on fiddle, and then usually somebody on guitar, and sometimes keyboard. Uh, one time cello, uh, but this w when I joined, I was the first piper that has been in the group. Mm. So I, I was glad to be the, the one to introduce bagpipes to Fire in the Glen. It sounds like it was uh, about time. They had, yeah, they, I know, right? It's like they finally. were dancing around pipes and finally got to them. Right. Um, so I, I auditioned. I went to Tom's house, and I, I played, and I sang, and I, I brought my ukulele and <laughs> strummed that while I sang some songs. Um, and so I, I got in and uh started learning learning the repertoire uh a, a mixture of irish and some scottish and some uh, american uh some some old some new traditional some uh a lot of pub song type mm -hmm. of songs a couple of sea shanties that sort of thing uh so it's yeah it's just a lot of fun I, it's been a good good performing outlet for me you that that album that just came out was uh well that was was that this year yeah yeah it just came out in uh february yeah that's right so so was or that it was released in march did did yeah. the did the pandemic kind of give you guys extra time to focus on just making an album since there was nothing else to do <laughs> was that part of why um, that came out this year or would that have happened some, anyway somewhat somewhat mm -hmm. um it was because it was 2021. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I was officially a new member in 2021. Mm. We, we met a few times you know, in November, December before that. But uh, so it was kind of the, the coming out of the pandemic thing ah, when, yeah. that we started performing and. Uh, you know, going going to places, still wearing masks, that sort of thing. Right. But uh, thank goodness you had bellow pipes, huh? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, but the the album, it was something that right away we started saying we we need to, you know, we to record this this group now that we have a, a new makeup of of the band. We we mm -hmm. should get, get this sound recorded. Uh, so. It just took took a couple of years. Yeah, we didn't start recording until, uh, well, I think it was still January of this year that we we actually did the recording. Bit. Oh, really? Yeah. So a lot of prep work, and then and then the yeah, and then getting in the recordings. Mm. Yeah, and it, it was mostly most of it is tunes that we'd already been performing, and then there were a couple of tracks on there that were uh newer tunes that that we hadn't yet performed mm -hmm, mm -hmm. have you um when you when you're you know jotting down ideas for songs in your song notebook is it usually pipe tunes or are you also writing other kind of stuff that might have like lyrics to it and mm. you might bring to the to the band yeah i i'm not i'm not much of a lyricist so i haven't i haven't written any songs per se uh yeah most of the time if i'm jotting down 
uh, a tune. It's usually something for the pipes yeah. or, or the whistle. Mm-hmm. Do a little bit of whistle too. Oh yeah, that's right. I've seen you playing whistle. The um, wh- when did that come into your playing? By the way, was that um, after small pipes had come in? Because I feel like most pipers eventually do get to picking up a whistle, <laughs> and if they haven't, they ought to. I feel like I'm, I feel some right. some like personal campaign thing here where like whistles are so cheap, and right. and it's such an like your 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 existing skill set is so applicable. Yep. Get a whistle. It's so uh, much absolutely. fun to have more flexibility. Right. I I believe I heard that on a previous episode of yours. Right? Yeah, man, it's a yeah. that's that's a drum that I've been banging. Now that's that's a funny metaphor yeah. to use. Of course, I ought to say that's a whistle I've been tooting or something. But but yeah, <laughs> right, right. Uh, uh, whistle. I oh I don't know. I I actually I I picked up a whistle years before I started pipes. Mm. Um, but it was just one of these cheap gift shop uh, whistles that, mm-hmm. that sounded horrible. And I, I didn't really do anything with it. So I didn't really start doing anything on whistle until after I got small pipes. And I didn't really learn anything on whistle until I went to my first uh, Piper's Gathering uh, weekend mm. that they, they have every year out in Connecticut. And... Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was, uh, John Skelton was, was there, my first Piper's Gathering, and he's, uh, an excellent, uh, musician. He, he plays pipes and, and, and whistles, but he's, he's got several, uh, he's got several books out, uh, with his whistle tunes. Mm. And so I, I learned a little bit from him there and just, just kept on going. So... Okay, I thought the name John Skelton sounded familiar, but I just looked it up to be like, well, have I heard his music before or something? The first thing that yeah. comes up is uh, this uh, the English poet John Skelton um, oh, from the interesting. Okay. from the what fifteenth century. So yeah, it's not, definitely not him. Not saying I've read a lot of <laughs> Skelton's poetry either, but yeah. <laughs> the um, what was that gathering? I'm sorry, I might have the timeline mixed up. Was that that wasn't the same gathering where you camped at, at Grandfather Mountain, was it? No, that was later. Different, yeah, different experience, yeah. Have you ever, as a guy who has experience with the recorder program, have yeah. you ever thought to yourself, we ought to do like Ireland does and have a whistle program instead? Yeah. I like, yeah. like, it seems very cost-effective. And, you know, selfishly, yeah. I think to myself, like, what if all of the children in the entire country got a start on Penny Whistle? Mm, what might yeah. that do for the piping community? I think that might be oh. great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I, I almost did that Mm. i almost did uh because uh one of my buddies that i met at piper's gathering uh his name is chuck he uh he actually makes whistles out of uh pvc pipe oh yeah and so he, he makes those and i i i bought one from him that he made and uh when we were talking he he knew that i was a music teacher and that that first first time that we, we were talking about it, he said, "You know what? How about I, I want to make you a set of of whistles that you could use with your elementary students' classes, mm. and you know it would be enough for a whole. It would be thirty whistles that then you can you know, you can sterilize in between classes, and the kids can use them." And I said, "Well, that would be awesome. That'd be cool." And so then the next summer. 
he handed me this bag. A bag and of thirty whistles. Yeah, that's awesome. They're they're red and blue and and white. Well, red, white, and blue. Oh, yeah. uh, plastic. Red, whistles. blue, and white. What are you French? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I don't even remember. Is that the order on the French flag? Uh, Try, no, to, I, I remember Picard at one point saying something about <laughs> the order of, he said something about like the American flag, but then he said something about like, or the much better, essentially yeah. what you're saying, you know, and then he said the order of the French flag. Um, uh, I'm sure, yeah. I, I'm just sh- looking. I could Google the French flag a lot faster I'm than I could sure. figure out which episode it was that Picard said that. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> well, then, of course, then there's that tie-in where Picard is playing the, the whistle. That's right. right. That's right. When he when he has that whole life experience on that and other then, planet through the satellite yeah. thing. And then I didn't realize this until very, very recently, very stupidly, that that's not his hands playing. Wait, really? That's, that's not his hands it? playing the whistle. Some, they had somebody else's hands and he just blew on They had somebody else's hands. <laughs> and it's so obvious when you go look at it now. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm that it's back not his it hands again. playing it. Oh, so. Yeah. Blue, white, red. That's the French flag. I apologize Blue, if I got that red. wrong, my French friends. Yes. Uh, uh, je me souviens. Uh, so, uh, what were we talking about? Whistle. Uh, uh, the whistles. Yeah, bag of whistles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bag of whistles. Oh, and so Chuck gave me this bag of whistles and uh, it, it, for free. He didn't want any money for it. And this is something that he does. He donates these whistles that he makes to... Uh, to schools. Uh, he's just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful guy, wonderful human being. Uh, and I, I've met a lot of really amazing people uh, through the, 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 the bagpipe world in general. Yeah. And uh, not, not, to, uh, not to give any uh, uh, shade to the Highland Pipers, but the, <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the people that I've met in the small pipes world yeah. are, are just wonderful wonderful you know like tim cummings you know like uh, that that sort of wonderful human being type of person it's just maybe a gentle and sweet disposition goes along with the gentle and sweet music huh yeah yeah right right exactly but those border pipers they're they're, they can uh, be real harsh and and grating (laughs) (laughs) right right so um so i had this set of whistles and i i actually never used them in, in my elementary music classes, because not long after that, it was when I was switching and, and doing more of the middle school, high school stuff. Uh, yeah. And, but I have, I have used them with some of my uh, younger piping students here at home. So they, they are being put to good use. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Um, yeah. So, so what, so what did, what did happen on grandfather mountain? What music did you hear when you were out there? <laughs> oh wow! Okay, <laughs> that's like that. That that sounds like the beginning of a book. There, what happened? Yeah, on Father Mountain. <laughs> right. Uh, it was no no kidding. It was almost a religious experience for yeah. me for part of that. It I, really, I believe it. Yeah, it was. It, it was you know, not not to be cheesy, but it was kind of an awakening musical experience for me. Mm. Uh, I mean, I actually, when, when I left my last night at Grandfather Mountain, I, I was, I was tearing up. I was, I was <laughs> kind of an emotional wreck yeah. um, because I, you know, I, I went down there by myself. Obviously it was just me, but um, 
so at, at Grandfather Mountain is huge, huge uh, Highland Games gathering. And I think it's the, the largest gathering of, of clans, you know, uh, in, if not in the country, at least on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the music that they had there, uh, E.J. Jones is the music uh, coordinator, organizer. Um, and so he had, uh, he was also performing there. Mm-hmm. So that was my first time hearing E.J. Jones playing the pipes um, and probably singing. I've got to imagine he, he knew the right people to gather for the other performances as well. Yeah. He knows exactly who to call, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so he, he, he was performing there. And then I heard Elias Alexander with... Uh, he was performing at the time with... Um, I can't remember his name, but um, on guitar... Um, and, and at, at that time, I don't know if they were the Bywater band, it was just the two of them. Um, and he was playing the border pipes mm. and singing. And I was mesmerized and, and fell in love with that sound. Uh, and, and hearing, hearing this music, you know, I, I just, I, I went to every performance that I could. And sometimes there's more than one going on at the same time. Um, but I, I, I really, really started to, to appreciate uh, what, the, what this music is, you know, mm. this, this Celtic music thing and this uh, combination of song with, with pipes. It was eye-opening for me. And then uh, that last night of being on Grandfather Mountain, the campground is right next to the, the games field. And so I, I had walked over from my tent over to where the, the field was, and that's where they, they had a stage for the, the night uh, performances. And they, they kind of get all the musicians together, and they do kind of a big jam session kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just walking uh, on this hill that's kind of overlooking the, the field. It's like a football field, and that's where the stage was. Uh, and I was just walking by on this really, you know, starlit, clear sky. You can see the stars uh, on the summer night. And the music is down there on the field playing. And it, it was just overwhelming for me. It was like, wow, I, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life. One of those moments. Yeah. Um, it, it was just, yeah, it it was kind of like the the beginning of the moment of my falling in love with what this music is. That was the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, got yeah. All, it's got all the right elements. This is, maybe, this is maybe more on my brain than it ought to be because I just finished listening to a course about like uh, sort of origins of religious practice, like uh, from the Paleolithic uh. up through like uh, pre-modern, really. It was, it, was, it was very much a focus on like uh, pre-modern uh, history and, and, and abstractions about uh, the way people have done things in the past and stuff. But... Um, it just occurs, I, I can't help thinking like, no, it's got all the elements for a special religious experience where like common themes might've been, you know, a, a space, which would have been yeah. often top of a mountain or inside of a cave, you know? And then you've got the, the, that you went alone. It's almost like a pilgrimage. You were outside of your normal living space. You went to a yeah. different place to have this experience and it was right. out in nature. That's a big part of it, you know, like, yep. 
and you've yeah. got and music even ritualistic yeah. music you know figures into it and, <laughs> and it's almost like you, you had yeah. the um the coming of age experience or the yeah. you know the 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 gnostic uh welcoming into the gnosis kind of experience kind of thing Ooh. and and now i'm just thinking wow. like well if we're gonna if we're if we're the disciples of tim and if we're if we're doing yeah. this thing man then <laughs> the grandfather mountain is our right. pilgrimage site it's right. perfect you know it fits <laughs> Oh, actually, actually, the pilgrimage should be Karstjes. Oh, yeah. That, that would be, yeah. I've attended online one time. That was the silver yeah. lining to COVID was that I got to do yeah, that. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you should come out to Vermont sometime. Dude, every year. I'm thinking <laughs> next year will be my year. Next year will be my year, you know. Oh, uh, it's, it's amazing. I love it. So someday when I do manage to pull it off, I'll make sure to message you first to see if you're going to be there that year. And if you won't be, I'll wait till the next year. <laughs> I'm probably going every year for the rest of my oh, life. So it's probably a safe bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm on the board now. Oh, are you really? Well, then you better be there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, well, then, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of you when I know which year I can get there, and I'll put in all of my requests for instructors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to make sure Tim's there because you know if we're gonna, we've got to have the uh, uh, yeah. uh, a uh, founding of the religion council that yes. gets to get started. <laughs> and stuff, so. Oh no, he'll, he, he, I'm sure he will, will not last guy love in, it if he hears last about that person idea, in the world right? to allow for that to happen. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, what else, what, what, what tune do you think we should, we should fade out on and maybe tell me about uh, a track we could hear? Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I was thinking about that. Um, one of my favorite tunes is Star of the County Down. Oh yeah. And so that, that is one of the tracks that we did on the Fire in the Glen album. Um, and it is a, uh, the tune itself is, is something that I've spoken about before, on another podcast. Uh, Wait, the... what other podcast? <laughs> I know. I am I am offended, first of all. <laughs> but also, what other podcast? There, so I can put a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> there, there, there can't be there can't be that many bagpiping podcasts, yeah, how, right? How, no. What? <laughs> uh, so Mark Gunn does the Irish and Celtic music podcast. Oh yes, of course. Right? Yeah. He he also does several other side quest podcast so yeah. he has this uh pub songs and stories podcast yeah and so I, I i did a thing for that a couple of years ago where i was talking about uh star of the county down and how i've done that as a song with fire in the glen but also uh it's it's a it is a song of personal importance to me uh because it's also a song that I've used. Um, I, I did an arrangement of it for my parents' anniversary. Their, uh, their I believe it was for their 50th anniversary. Mm. Um, let me do the math. No, maybe it was their 40th. Uh, maybe it was their 40th anniversary. Anyway. Once you, um, once you get past 25, yeah. it's like, well, it's one of those. Right. <laughs> so because um, when, when I wanted to make an arrangement of a tune, I asked my dad, who was a pastor, uh, what, what's one of your favorite hymns? Mm -hmm. And 
for him, that's kind of like asking somebody who loves books, what's one of your favorite books? Sure, or yeah. A musician, what's your favorite song? Oh, uh, well. <laughs> right, right. There is no answer, really, right? Um, so, you know, he, he, he loved hymns, of course. And so the, the one that he named was, I think he was kind of thinking more obscure, you know, a little lesser known. And there's this hymn called, I Feel the Winds, or is it Wind? singular or plural, of God today. Is that to the melody of, is the same melody? Yes. Oh, really? So I knew it, yes. I knew that it had been used for a Christmas carol before. Yes. And, and I also know that it's used for a hymn in the Mormon tradition that has some of the wildest sci-fi lyrics you will ever really? read in a hymnal. Oh. Yeah. Like, like very, oh, I'm very out there, that. man. Very out okay. there. Great. Crazy cool, like cool in a fascinating, weird kind of way. But uh, oh. but no, tell me about this. I had no idea. See, and I thought I thought that I was the expert when it came to to hymns using this melody. I had no idea. So what what did your dad? Ah. What, what's this one your dad was picking? So you you probably know that the the tune name is Kingsfold, right, right? Yeah. So that's the that's the hymn tune name for it, which comes from this uh, English English uh, slash Irish folk music tradition mm-hmm. um so the the hymn i feel the winds of god today i feel the winds of god today today my sail i lift and then i'd have to look at it to remember the rest of the words mm-hmm. um so it's the song it it's kind of nautical themed mm. about god being the the wind in your sails you know carrying you along gotcha um and the, and then it has this neat uh stormy blast metaphors and all, all that um so uh it it yeah the the lyrics are very meaningful but then the tune uh is this great minor tune but then it has this moment of major tonality yeah and so it's got that going for it because it's this this uh balance between minor and major um you know that can go into all kinds of uh you know, theological kind of uh, uh, philosophical discussions there. Mm. But um, then it, it's also used for other hymns, like, uh, I sing a song of Bethlehem. You know, that's, that's, about the I think that's Christmas the Christmas related. one. Yeah, that's right. But then it leads you, the, the whole, that hymn leads you through Christ's life going through the, the resurrection. Oh, that's too. right. It goes all the way through the yeah. whole story, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, so that that's really neat, too. But, and so that that was the tune that I was familiar with growing up hearing you know hearing this tune once in a while as a hymn and then I I used it as an arrangement for piano and uh a duet my wife and I sang it as a duet mm. and then I I wrote in this part for a sopranino recorder to sound like an Irish whistle because I was not a whistle player at the time yeah gotcha <laughs> um but uh, the the tune then this was another one of those aha moments uh, when I researched the tune and found out uh, it's not it's Kingsfold okay that's the hymn tune Von Williams used it um, Von Williams used it for a piece that he wrote a, a symphony um, but the Dives and Lazarus is the the name of the uh, the uh, tune title for that, Dives and Lazarus. Looks okay. like dives. 
Um, I'm gonna look that up. This is this has been one of my favorite melodies since I was oh, a kid. So, I, oh, I'm, I'd got love to, to yeah. consume any, anything you can suggest you've for sure. Got to hear this. Uh, Rafe looks like Ralph Vaughn Williams uh, symphony. Uh, Dives and Lazarus. It's a theme in variations. Oh, I see. Oh, yes, I see five variants here. Okay, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. So then I, I've I've heard that, but then when I found out that it's also the same tune to Star of the County Down, mm-hmm. that I I instantly you know, that this has got to be an important connection because my family, the the Nevin family, immigrated. Um, immigrated to America in the early 1800s. It was before the potato famine, mm-hmm. but they were from Dunagadee County Down. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And so then I've got this County Down tie-in with, with this tune that's also used for uh, the the star of the County Down. Man, that's so cool. That's like yeah. like speaking of getting hippy dippy and ethereal. Like yeah, there's, like yeah. <laughs> there's some unknown thing in your dad's heart that like for some reason this melody that yeah. came from his ancestors' home resonated right. with him, kind of thing. Yeah, that's super yeah. cool, man. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's it's one of my favorite tunes um, to sing and, and to play. Well, that's. I mean, I. I... I know that there's more we could talk about for sure. I've, I also have taken like two hours of your time this morning. Right. Maybe we talk again, but this feels like the most beautiful way to kind of come to a graceful close. Um, unless there's anything else that you'd like to bring up. Wow. Well, I, we, we only got through uh, two or three of the things that I want to talk about. So. <laughs> Near Banbridge Town in the county, down one evening last July. Down a bar in green came a sweet Colleen And she smiled as she passed me by She looked so sweet from her two bare feet To the sheen of her nut-brown hair Such a coaxing elf, sure I shook myself To make sure I was standing there From Bantry Bay down to Derry Cay And from Galway to Dublin Town No maid I've seen like the fair Colleen That I met in the county down As she onward sped, sure I shook my head And I gazed with a feeling rare And I said, says I, to passerby Who's the maid with the nut-brown hair? He smiled at me, he said, says he She's a gem of Ireland's crown Young Rosie McGann from the banks of the band She's a star of the county down From Bantry Bay down to Derry Cay And from Galway to Dublin town no maid I've seen like the fair Colleen that I met in the county down. She'd a soft brown eye and a look so sly and a smile like the rose in June. And you held each note from her auburn throat as she lilted lamenting tunes. At the pattern dance you'd be in a trance as she skipped through a jig or reel. When her eyes she'd roll, she'd lift your soul and your heart she'd likely steal. From Bantry Bay down to Terry Kay And from Galway to Dublin Town No maid I've seen like the fair Colleen That I met in the county down
At the harvest fair she'll be surely there And I'll dress in my Sunday clothes With my hat cocked right, my shoes shine bright For a smile from the nut-brown rose No horse I'll yoke, nor pipe I'll smoke Till the rust in my plough turn brown And a smiling bride by my own fireside Is the star of the county down From Bantry Bay down to Derry Cay And from Galway to Dublin town no maid I've seen like the fair Colleen that I met in the county down. From Bantry Bay down to Terry Kay and from Galway to Dublin town. No maid I've seen like the fair Colleen that I met in the county down. That I met in the county down.